What's up, everybody? And thank you for tuning in to the Trevor Talks podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the amazing privilege of speaking with the founder of Launch Your Creativity, the best-selling author of Girl in the Garage, and the host of Living a Limitless Life podcast, Mrs. Sharon Hughes. Sharon, welcome to the show. You made it. We're here. We're actually doing it. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Trevor. It's always great to talk to you. No, it's such a pleasure to talk to you, especially now being on the flip side of, I remember I was on your podcast. I think it was last year. I was Mm -hmm. just starting Fear is a Liar. Um, and you didn't have a book out. So a lot has changed since the last time we spoke. Kind of fill us in on what happened. Congratulations, by the way. You're a best-selling author. That is an accomplishment that not a lot of people can get. So (laughs) I'm super excited to hear about this journey. Like where you want to start? I want to hear it all. (laughs) Well, you're making it sound like a lot bigger and better and more glamorous than it is. It's, you know, <laughs> I just, I, job, just isn't I, it? I, <laughs> I just wrote a book. I don't know. Cause I was actually writing it. I think when we recorded your yeah. episode and then last summer it went to the publisher. Um, I got some copies of it like in the fall, but, but it debuted January 2nd of this year. Mm. And, um, just did really good. It was really just, you know, it was kind of like God's plan of what sure. he, he wanted. Cause it's a rough story. As you know, you read it, your mom yeah. read it. Yeah. It's a, it's a rough story, but it's not written like with shock value. So no, for sure. Yeah. It's very much um, like, this is what happened. This is how, how these types of patterns get established in a person's life. And then here's your workbook so that you can get yourself out of this. Yeah, very much so. And so like, what inspired you to share this story at this specific time in your life? You know, it was, it's kind of funny as I had always wanted to write a book like my entire life. And I never knew what the book would be, but I went to a speaker's conference where we had to share something had to have like a five minute talk. And so I flew to Arizona and I started feeling like God was saying, you need to tell your story. And I was like, Mm. no, I don't. (laughs) She was like a handful of people on the planet that know that. Like, like even one of my best friends didn't know that. And I call it bathroom negotiations with God (laughs) because I was pacing the floor in this, in the bathroom of the hotel. It was a really nice hotel with a huge bathroom. So you could pace (laughs) and working out what I was going to do. I was messaging my closest friends saying, Hey, can you pray for me? I'm feeling like I should do this and I don't want to just do something and get it wrong. Sure. And I was getting messages back like, Oh, you're fine. Just go do it. And I was like, you don't quite understand. <laughs> People don't understand a panic attack at all if they haven't struggled. <laughs> well, I wasn't panicking. Um, I actually don't struggle with panic. It was more like I really wanted to make sure that I was hearing God right. And I sure. didn't want to do, I didn't want to make the wrong move. Sure. Um, yeah. So I I gave the talk and walked off the stage and I just knew right there, that's the book. The book is Mm. the girl in the garage. I love that. And um, yeah, just to share the the story of what happened to me and and how you break up with your past and move forward. 
Yeah. No, I love that. And how has the response been from like individuals that have read the book? Have you seen or heard from people that are like, yo, like, this changed my life. I can't really, I, there's just something in this book and it has a beautiful cover by the way. And I love the trailer myself. Um, everything about the packaging in this book, it's just all done the, ex- the exact way I feel like God intended it to be. And you oh, did a thanks. very good job with that. But when it comes down to it, like the stories that you've heard come out of people reading this book, how does that make you feel? You know, it's really sobering because I don't think most people, when they put their work out there, expect to get the response that mm. you do. Yeah. But because the content of the book addresses really big self-worth issues and abuse issues, there's a lot of people that reach out to me, but they kind of tiptoe around the subject because they're still processing and they're living in a lot of shame of whatever Mm. they're dealing with. People don't want other people to know that somebody did terrible things to them. Mm. It makes us feel like what's wrong with me when it should be flipped. It's what's Mm. wrong with the person that did that to you. Like what the heck, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, not the victim. No, like that's, and you're talking about very vulnerable topics in this book. Like, can you kind of give the listeners an overview on what they can expect in the book without giving anything away? Just kind of, can you share your story <laughs> that you have placed in The Girl in the Garage? Yeah, so the, the story of The Girl in the Garage, it it really starts when I'm about five. There was just a lot of abuse from different people in my life, people that should have protected me from, you know, parents, um, stepbrother, spouse of a babysitter, son of a babysitter, this kind of thing. So you can kind of get the gist of where that's going. And it culminated when I was 16 and I went to a Halloween party with an older boy and, um, the party was at, he had an older sister. So the party was at his older sister's house. Another sister handed me the infamous red cup. Mm -hmm. And I remember going in the bathroom with the cup and thinking, you know, like kind of looking at my costume and going, okay, this party's not really that fun. This, my date's not really that interested in me and I don't know what to do. And then feeling like I'm so tired. I need to lay down on the floor, like really within moments. And I woke up in a garage seven hours later. Mm. So what really sealed the deal for the girl in the garage is that when I got home at nearly four in the morning, my parents weren't up waiting for me like like you would think parents would be. And the front door was locked and the porch light was off. So I had to wake them up to get in. And they just looked at me. My mom just looked at me. My dad didn't. My stepdad didn't come to the door at the time. and they didn't ask like, what happened? Where have you been? Are you okay? They didn't, you know, no police report, no medical report, nothing like that. And it was not talked about. And that was when I said, I, I have no value. Like I am just here to be taken advantage of and used. And it wasn't long after that, that I became suicidal. I made one attempt on my life, but um, just a lot of trauma. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the gist of the book. So, but I go into detail of explaining 
look at what's happening each step of the way and how this pattern is starting to take place. And then when that event happens on Halloween, um, that's the nail in the coffin. So you can really see like, oh, okay, from a really removed position of how people end up with the self-perception that they have. Because a lot of people would be like, oh, why don't you just get over it and move on? But they don't understand that it was just, it was like, it was like the grave kept being dug a little deeper and a little deeper. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so ironic that there's so many people that have been sexually abused or molested mm-hmm. um, and victims most of the time aren't going to report it just because they feel judged. They feel dirty. They feel like they did something wrong, but mm-hmm. in all actuality, like you didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. The person, just like you said earlier, they did that to you. You didn't do it to mm-hmm. yourself. So right. if somebody's listening to this episode right now and they're living with that, and maybe it's even recent, like they've been sexually abused, they've been molested. What's your word for them? You need to get help. You really got to get help. It's the worst secret that you can carry with you. Like it eats at your soul. And you end up in this place where then when you're in good, healthy relationships, you're afraid to tell. You're, mm-hmm. And you need people in your life that you can trust. So this is the most important thing. You cannot tell your story to somebody that's not safe. So don't tell the story to the person that already judges you all the time. That's not a safe person, but find a a friend, a teacher, you know, maybe it's your best friend's parents or you can even just, right. You can even pick up the phone because there's a lot of anonymous uh, places that you can call. Yeah. Yeah, Helplines, but you need to tell your story and you need to get medical treatment. Yeah. So with you sharing all this vulnerability, like from start to finish in this book, what gave you the idea of like, I know you talked about that conversation with God in the bathroom, but was there moments leading up to like, okay, I'm going to do this leading up to that event? When did you decide that it was time? Okay, Sharon, like now it's time to share this vulnerable story. And once it's out there, it's out there. You can't get it back. Was there an internal argument with yourself trying to talk yourself out of it just because you've almost, I know for me, like I've never been molested or anything like that, but I I could only imagine the internal battle it is to just think like, I can't share this with anybody. I want to hide it. It's your best kept secret. Um, The darkest part of you. But you obviously knew that it would help somebody. And I Mm -hmm. 120 billion percent believe that it is. But somebody out there could be listening to this right now and just like suicidal, afraid, Mm -hmm. maybe either one person that they feel like they could trust as the one that's doing it to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any recommendations for like first steps to getting help from some trauma like this? Yeah. So... To answer the first part of your question, was there an internal argument? No, there wasn't because it it was almost like it was like, it was truly like an act of God. I felt like when I got to the point where I was like, hey, this is the story and this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I was so healed, so removed, so fine to talk about this type of thing and had done so much work on myself that I felt like 
truly that verse for such a time as this, I thought this is my purpose Mm. because God promises that he'll use what was meant for evil. He'll use it for good. He flips it. So good. Yeah. And I know that that's what he did is that he brought me to this place. Um, You know, it's, it's, I don't think he calls everybody to start, you know, being on a platform talking about what's happened to them. Maybe, if somebody's listening and they're wondering if they should share their story to help somebody else, you know, just pray about it and see where you're comfortable because God's not going to throw you in the limelight to tell a story that you're just truly not prepared to talk about. Sure. Yeah. And with you being an identity coach and being the founder of your company, launch your creativity, what started that journey for you? Even before the girl in the garage, you started to launch your creativity a whole lot longer before than you wrote the book and even released it. What, what exactly do you do? Explain what identity coaches for the people that are listening. Like, do you go around helping people find who they are or do they come to you? Like, what if they already know what identity coaches and that's what they yeah. want to pursue? Yeah. So Launcher Creativity was actually started because I used to have a wholesale line of home decor. And it was really easy for me to do that. And I was in showrooms and stores all over the country and stuff. And I was like, hey, I think I had to do events to inspire women to pursue their passion. So that's really what Launch Your Creativity mm is. So for 10 years, I was putting on these really entrepreneurial type of events and bringing in different speakers. And we covered everything from like, you know, branding and marketing and, you know, just the whole thing. Sure. And then a couple of years ago, I started to pivot because I was like, you know, I don't really want to talk about business anymore. I want to talk about matters of the heart. And I would say, gosh, was that two years ago or three? I think that was the beginning of where God was having me pivot um, and I started really doing a ton of research on personal development and finding your voice mm. and becoming confident and, you know, the power of perception and how people see things, how people process information. All of that was set up for the book. Sure. So I kept launch your creativity, but within it, I pivoted. And then I was like, guy, how do I change the name? Because that's not really what it is anymore. So I'm kind of in the middle of what to do with that. I, I really just do SharonHughes.net. That, yeah. <laughs> that's easier. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes down to it, do you think that there's going to be any other book to follow The Girl in the Garage? You are the second person that's asked me that this week. And I keep wondering. I'm like, I don't know. Like so far, I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how good books come out, though. You don't know what you're going to write about, and then God lays it on your heart. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, even with the girl in the garage, like, uh, what am I going to write about? Oh, yeah, I've got a story that could change the world. There, let's start there. Like, God gives us all these yeah. individual creative moments of just like, okay, you should probably pursue this, but if you don't, it's still going to be there, and nobody else is going to have that. So for me, yeah. like, I've, uh, I'm an anxiety advocate, uh, show host podcast hosts. I just do so many different things. But when it comes down to it, if someone were to ask me, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I want to help people overcome anxiety because if I would have never overcame my anxiety, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't be on tour. I wouldn't be nothing that I enjoy doing would 
be happening. And I believe that's because it's God's calling on my life. And if mm-hmm. you're listening to this podcast and you don't believe in God or you're agnostic, you don't know, that's totally fine. Like that's my motivation. Mm-hmm. That's Sharon's motivation. Like mm-hmm. I have a personal perception that Jesus loves me and he just has this drastic plan for each and every single one of us. We got to right. chase it, but it's, it's rooted within us and you'll know what it is. Like if you love doing something that much, you're going to pursue it. Yeah. Like uh, touring isn't for everybody. Riding, uh, sleeping on a bus every night, and flying <laughs> in airports and taking showers and locker rooms, like that's not for everybody. I would argue to say that it's not <laughs> for me at sometimes, but like that's God's purpose for my life, I feel. And using my voice to do that is just beyond me. Like I've said it in episodes prior to this. It's just like, what somebody asked me, what is Trevor talks? And it's like, my name is Trevor and I like to talk. What's a better brand? <laughs> like, I just like to run my mouth, but I run my mouth with a purpose. I don't, yeah. I don't think that God has called us to just entertain people for a living. I think there's a purpose that's stronger than anything we could ever imagine embedded in our callings, whether it's being an actress, being a blue collar worker, a lineman, a garbage pickup person, a McDonald's clerk, working at Walgreens, being a dentist, a dental hygienist. Like there's so many different things you could do with your life. And so many mm-hmm. people have so many different callings. And there's so many people in the world that nobody's really going to fit the same standard. Right. Or you know, when you feel unique and you feel alone in something, I, I remember I used to have an identity crisis on like not knowing the difference between being unique and mm-hmm. being alone. Those Mm. two things, like you can intertwine with people. You can Mm -hmm. have a community. They don't have to be doing the same thing as you. And they're probably not going to. Um, Even your loved ones may not support what you're doing. But if God's called you to do it, go do it. (laughs) Right. Right. So with that being said, like I feel called to help others with my life. When did Mm -hmm. you know that it was your calling to help others? You know, it's funny. I've always wanted to help people because like way back before my sons were born and they're 18 and a half and 22, I was a personal trainer at the gym. Mm. And I just loved helping people feel better about themselves. So I think that there was always something there. And each thing was preparing me for for this. Sure. Um, Yeah, I've always and you know, when you take those personality tests, I always come out like the coach and the encourager. Mm. So I think that, you know, God wires us uniquely and gives everybody different skill sets and gifts and talents to use. I think he wired me this way. Sure. And it's been a fight. I mean, I won't lie about it. I'm so extra extroverted that people that are really introverted, like I have close people in my life. They're just like, you are extra. And I'm like, I know, but I'm okay with it now. Growing up and even in my early 20s, I felt like, what is wrong with me? Why do I have to talk to every person and pet every dog in the planet? Mm. Like, why can I not just be in a room of people and not say, hey, how are you to every person? So, um, yeah, that's how I'm wired. And I'm finally at my very old mid 50s age making peace with it. There you go. And yeah. what what age were you when you uh, started being an identity coach? Oh, it's just been in the last few years. So really? I got certified as a life coach seven years ago. And it was really in the last two years I started dialing it in and just going, you know, everybody's a life coach, but mm. what do you want to focus on? And I was like, it's your identity. It's what you believe about yourself. And what you believe about yourself is either going to propel you forward or it's going to hold you back. Yeah. 
And I know for a fact, for me, I had a season of my life where I found my identity and my anxiety and my depression, Mm -hmm. and I let it overwhelm my life. I was working nine to five for AT&T, and I was thought I was happy. I thought I was happy being 19 years old, owning a house, having a new car. Like I thought that my career was making me happy, but in all actuality, when I quit doing um, not even personal branding, but just being true to who I am, when Mm -hmm. I stopped that and sacrificed it all to bow down to my anxiety and bow down to my depression, my -hmm. whole life changed. I, I, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't who I am. Mm-hmm. It, it was not me at all. So right. when I think about anxiety and depression, I see that as unfortunately a, a, almost as something that is damaging to your identity. But at the same time, with the correct mindset, you can fix that. Anxiety is not your identity. Depression right. is not your identity. Mm-hmm. You are stronger than your symptoms. Mm-hmm. So what's your message for somebody that's struggling with their identity today? Wow. So first, and I know you'll agree with me, is that you and I don't want to negate how somebody feels if they're struggling with anxiety and depression. I had a ton of depression resulting from what I'd been through. I was diagnosed a few years ago with PTSD. And now that I've, um, I've been certified in critical incident stress debriefing, I kind of don't think I have PTSD. I think that might have been incorrect. Mm. Um, this is the thing is that whatever you're going through, there's a way that your body is going to respond to it because it doesn't know how else to process whatever has happened to you. Sure. So the anxiety, the depression, being OCD, just whatever label there are to all the different things that affect us, they're, they are symptoms to something else, and that something else needs to be dealt with. Sure. And there's no shame in it. There's really, there's no shame in it at all. Um, you know, the world's hard. It is. It's, it's really hard. And getting through it and finding your identity, it's work. I always say it was a bloody street fight getting out of the garage because mm. that's just what it was. It was so much work. And a lot of people, if they don't have that support system to do the work, or they're just not in a in a safe space to do it, they can get trapped and either not finish or they might sit in kind of the same place longer than they would if they had had the support that they need. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I really want to say to your audience is believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. Mm. So what that really means is it, whatever you're believing, whether it's true or not, it's powerful, right? So if you're believing something about yourself that's not true, it's just as powerful as if you believed the truth. Yeah. So if you're believing I'm broken, I can't be fixed, I'm depressed, I have anxiety, I can't leave my house, um, you know, I have to take my meds to function, Mm. you're that's that's your belief system and the more that you think about it and keep telling yourself that the deeper and more powerful the neuro pathways in your brain that carry that information become and Mm. that becomes your story yeah a lot of people get stuck in their story Mm. so what i like to do is an exercise 
were, we'll, we'll just do a quick version of it here. Sure. So for the audience listening, think of the thing that you think is holding you back. So this could be whether you've been abused, whether somebody said you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, you can't learn, um, you didn't make the team, which is so important to whether, you know, anybody playing sports, you didn't make the team, you're, you're a loser, you're never going to make it, you'll never get into college, mm. you know, you're a joke, you're a failure, whatever those things are, just think, just hold that in your mind for a second and you kind of feel your body like it, it brings tension. And then ask yourself, who would I be if I let go of that? And I said this, I did this talk in a corporate setting and there was a lady sitting in the front room and the first thing that she said to me is free. And I was surprised. I didn't really expect people to just you know, respond like that. And um, a couple weeks later, I did this training again and two people in the room started to cry and one of them had to get up and leave. And then I, you know, talked to her later and she was okay. But it's just really deep work of when you stop and ask yourself, well, who would I be if I stopped believing that I was a loser and would never get into college or that there's something wrong with me and I can't learn and I can't get good grades. It's like that in itself. It's like so much bondage and weight on people. Mm. Who would you be if you let go of, you know, I'm, I'm fat and nobody will love me because Mm. weight is something that women really, really struggle with. They either eat and hide behind their weight a lot of times because they think if they're overweight, then, you know, nobody will want to be around them. And that's their way of keeping themselves buffered from being hurt. Sure. A lot of times women do that because they've had some kind of abuse. And then the other, they swing the other way with trying to be, you know, super thin to get attention. Sure. So what if you just started believing that you're enough right where you are? Hmm. What if you started believing that you're enough right where you are? Because God says you're enough right where you are. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible I read that says, go fix yourself up and then come and come to church. I've seen a lot of uh, (laughs) Twitter posts that say that, but I've never seen a Bible verse say that. Yeah, right? Because some some jerk somewhere came up with that one of like, yeah, I mean, really? Because Jesus didn't do that. Yeah. And like one thing to go with that is like when you believe something that someone tells you, it's damaging to your soul if it's negative. Like I had some wise, wise, wise counsel tell me it's none of your business what people think about you. It's really none of your business. So like it's not my business if someone thinks negatively of me. It's not my business if they think positively of me. But if you go off of one of them, you're obviously going to look to the other one for your other options, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think that you should care what people think in general. Now, if mm-hmm. they're giving you some common sense that you need to hear, like, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. somebody thinking that your podcast sucks or your voice is stupid or your Instagram has a terrible feed, like, that's their opinion. If you love what you're doing and you're doing it because you feel like God's yeah. calling you to do it, we all have room to grow. We all have room to make our platforms a little bit nicer, mm-hmm. like butter up our content a little better. But who who are we comparing ourselves to? 
And mm-hmm. why does it matter that we're not setting the same standards that they are? I like They're what Brene. Yeah, right? They're not us. I like what Brene Brown says. She said, mm-hmm. if you're not in the Love ring her. getting bloody, then your opinion doesn't count. Yeah. So the people that would come at you and I for what we do, they're not in the ring fighting the fight. They're sitting on the sidelines safe, just, you know, making comments. They don't count. Twitter troll moments. Yeah. Yeah. They don't get to have a seat at our table. (laughs) No, no. And like I, I had um, a false accusation come at me last week and it it hurt me just because it was, it was someone I'd never met before. It was an internet troll, but yeah. But what they were saying was it could be very serious if it were true. And mm-hmm. it was just like, I called my friend Josh and I was just like, man, like this is, I, I don't, this hurts my heart. Like, it's just not true at all. And the one thing he said to me was like, why does their opinion matter? And my response was, this is public. People could see it. And he's like, but is it true? No. Mm-hmm. And that changed my perspective. And it goes back to what um, her name is Jennifer told me is like, who cares what people think about you? It's literally none of your business. Yeah, but that's really hard to master because we're wired for community. That's just the way humans are desired. And from being little kids on the playground, we all want to fit in and Mm. be a part of the team and play the game. Mm. So when we're called out and we're passed over and all that stuff. It hurts. Mm. It, I still remember in fifth grade this, and you know how old I am fifth grade getting playing um, baseball during PE. And I remember Ronnie Wolfswinkle, he goes easy out and I hit a home run. Mm. <laughs> so Ronnie Wolfswinkle, Wolfswinkle if you're listening, sit down. <laughs> We love you, Ronnie. He was just, oh, he was the cutest kid. We were like 10 years old, but you know, he was a boy. He he did it like girls. He's like like a girl. Yeah. Well, that's a a home run. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's your message for the uh, Ronnie Wolfswinkles out there? If they have something negative to say, and we're not judging Ronnie, like we love you. He was 10. He was 10. But if (laughs) somebody is having that same exact mindset right now, what you got to say to the haters? You know what? <laughs> the haters have their own set of problems. The haters <laughs> don't know who to be if they're not the hater. Yeah. Sometimes that's the identity that they take on. Like they need to bully because they're insecure. They've probably been bullied. Like typically a bully has been bullied. Somewhere it's coming from them. Something has happened to them where they feel like they need to act out that behavior of being more in control because they feel less than like, that's really the, the psychology yeah. behind it. It's kind of sad. Um, yeah. They, they don't know who to be if they're not that. And it, that saying, you don't, you don't know who to be if you're not that that's anybody that's been caught in any identity. Um, yeah. Like say like the guy that's the jock, mm. his identity has become being the jock. Like he doesn't know who to be if he's not always scoring points. And then when he graduates high school and figures out none of that matters, it's just a whole world. Well, unless he goes on into professional sports, which is like really difficult. It's, you know, there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of money to be made. And Mm. if that's where your identity is, yeah, it can go sideways. And then people start doing other things to comfort themselves and that can lead into addiction. Mm. 
And now it's like, we're going to do therapy here. Yeah. Hey, I mean, everybody needs a good bit of therapy. If you've never done therapy in your life, I highly recommend it. I personally use an app called BetterHelp. Um, I travel a lot, so I can't stay consistent with going to a brick and mortar therapist. So mm-hmm. uh, BetterHelp just makes it available almost like a FaceTime call. And at first I kind of judged it on like, it's not going to be the same effect. I'm not sitting in a room, right. the smells aren't there, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. It, it's not about the atmosphere. It's about the conversation. You're mm-hmm. still going to unravel through things in your mind that need to be unraveled. Yeah. And even I, I remember when I went through therapy the first time and um, we went through EDMR therapy and mm-hmm. I got finished with it and I was like, okay, I'm good. Don't need therapy anymore. And I quit going and then I ended up back to square one. So now like even after you sh- um, go through it, I recommend just have that monthly checkup, like go in, just be counteractive and productive when it comes to your mental health. Because if it's just like your physical health, if you're sick, Mm -hmm. you got the flu, or if you got COVID, you go into the doctor. If you are depressed, anxious, or have PTSD, and you've been through some trauma in your life, there's no shame in getting help for that. There's no shame at all. And especially for guys, I feel like guys have been trained to think that they don't have emotions and their emotions Mm -hmm. don't matter. And that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I still do what I do. It's like, I'm an emotional person and I know that the buffest dude in the gym is still an emotional person. We've been taught to mask that, but Mm -hmm. it's not going to go away. Yeah. We have to deal with our emotions. So guys, if you're listening out there and you're listening to this at the gym and you think you're too macho to go see a therapist, take it from your boy. Like, um, no, you're not (laughs) at all. (laughs) Yeah. It really doesn't have anything to be, to do with being tough or macho. It's like feelings are invisible. Like you, and we hold them internally. Like, it's Mm. just like you said, it's like, you have to go and get it taken care of just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, It, it eventually shows up later when it starts coming out in other ways. Yeah. And one of the things I never thought I would be able to do is like um, have my voice be used in a song, like uh, be Mm -hmm. on the radio, stuff like that. And um, my friends, Lacey and Josh Sturm, they have a single coming out called The Decree. And it's this hard rock Mm -hmm. song. And um, I always told myself that like, you know, I'm never going to be able to do anything like that. Well, Josh actually put my screaming in the song. Oh, really? Now I'm just like, it's like not the biggest accomplishment in the world, but it's one of those things in my life that I'm like going to be able to look back on and like, you know, I went from the kid that loved listening to Flyleaf to being featured in the mix for the song Screaming, which is funny. Um, (laughs) But I, I've always wanted to do that and God made it happen. Like he did. And it's not like my name's going to be on the album or anything like that. But if you listen to the song and you hear the screaming under Lacey screaming, you'll hear my voice. And that's, that was one of those moments for me on like, wow, like God actually did it. Like he made it happen. So for me, um, as an entrepreneur, as the owner of my company, like there's no limit when you believe it. Like if you believe that you can do something like live a limitless life, just like you say in your podcast, Mm -hmm. just go after it. Like there has to be a spot for you at the table. If there's enough passion in you and there's enough drive Mm -hmm. to do it, why not make it happen? If you believe that you can do it, it doesn't matter if it takes five days or 10 years, 20 years. Um, Jesus was a carpenter before he changed the world. What's up? Like you are never too big to work a nine to five job and pursue your passions at the same time. So with that being said, in 2020, if Sharon Hughes were to just now (laughs) 
<laughs> be starting to write her book or start her podcast or start her company, essentially, what would you recommend to her? What would you recommend to 2020 Sharon that hasn't started anything in her life? Oh my goodness. Um, you know what? You just got to start. And you know what? And I'll steal this from Bobby Brown. I was watching a commercial the other night for, you know, Bobby Brown, the makeup artist. She goes, yeah. just start, put it out there and see what people like. And I was like, thank you, Bobby. It's like, right, because we're so afraid, oh, we're going to put it out there and everybody's going to see it. And what if I fail? Well, here's yeah. the news flash. When you put your stuff out there, pretty much like the only people that see it are if you're running ads to it or, you know, like mm. your mom looks at it just because the internet and all the information, there's just so much content out there. It's not like you put something out there and a million people see it overnight. Like that just doesn't happen. No. So just start, just put things out there and just, you know, do your art, whether it's making something, um, you know, like there's so many different types of being artistic, like whatever your thing is, you're putting it out there, just do your thing. And don't, don't worry about what people think, because there's going to be people that say things just because it makes them insecure when they mm. see other people move forward. Or, you know, there's those skeptics. And just like we said earlier, if you're not in the ring getting bloody, like then it, you don't count. Yeah. So, just just be like careful. if you don't vote, you can't complain. Right. Yeah. I always say like, be careful who you share your dreams with. Just the same thing as I said earlier, be careful of who you tell your story to um, if something has happened to you. Because there's a lot of people that you go share your dreams and they're going to rain on your parade. They're going to tell you all the reasons why you can't do it. Mm. And it's because they have such a limited view themselves. They, they would be doing the bigger things if they had the courage and sure. the vision and they're sure. not. So don't go to people that aren't doing anything. If they're just sitting on the couch watching TV all the time and there's nothing going on in their life, that's not a person you share your passion with. Go find yourself a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, this is Sharon Hughes. This is what she does. <laughs> she helps people find their identity. She's a best-selling author. She's the host of Living a Limitless Life podcast. She is just <laughs> such an inspiration to me. Where can they find you? SharonHughes.net. And all your yeah. social links and everything are there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Instagram, it's Sharon Hughes official because Sharon Hughes is such a common name. So, Very I, much so. I couldn't get just Sharon Hughes on Instagram. You're but. so official. <laughs> so official. Yeah. And I'm starting a something brand new. It's a subscription site. So mm. it's like a monthly fee yeah. with no contracts where you can take personal development training from me. Mm. So I'm really excited about that. That's amazing. And yeah. guys, Sharon knows what she's talking about. She's critically acclaimed. She's got the, every single person in the world can probably say they've heard her voice. <laughs> I love her so much. You can find her at Living a Limitless Life podcast, SharonHughes.net. Ladies and gentlemen, go get the girl in the garage, go listen to the podcast and stay tuned with Sharon Hughes on Instagram at Sharon Hughes official. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. It's been like the best episode yet. I love talking to Sharon. She's the best. I love her. I hope you guys have enjoyed her and go check her out. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. This was really fun. I loved it. Well, we 
we made it yet through another episode, and I'm still in shock that I'm able to say that. But guys, if you enjoy what you're hearing, go ahead and subscribe. Share it with your friends. I can't wait to bring you guys some more episodes. But in the meantime, go find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trevor Talks. And go to fearsaliar.co to keep up with what we are doing. I love you guys. We will talk to you next week. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.